In the world in which we live today, religiously, we hear a great deal about the Holy Spirit, especially about the feeling that many believe they have as a result of some direct leading of the Holy Spirit. And this idea has tragically infiltrated the Lord's church in places. And certainly, this emotional response, though it is based upon emotions alone and not the revealed word, produces a great deal of enthusiasm, a great deal of zeal, and even joy, and it causes those who, uh, who adhere to this concept, it causes them to have a zeal for God but to borrow Paul's inspired words, but not according to knowledge. That's what he said or wrote on one occasion, recall about his brethren in the flesh, the Israelites. I bear them witness they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And much of the denominational world holds to this idea of the miraculous manifestation of the Spirit in the lives of people today, and they feel that it is essential, that it is needed. On the other hand... Those of us who realize that the miraculous manifestations of, of God's Holy Spirit were for a specific time and that they served a specific purpose during the early days of the church, we should be no less zealous. We should certainly be no less joyful, no less enthusiastic than those who have an erroneous concept of the working of the Spirit. I think sometimes it seems that we try, sometimes it seems to be emotionless with our religion in order to make sure that no one believes we hold to that same erroneous concept about the Holy Spirit. And certainly we don't need to do that. The point is, and I think we've lost sight of this to some degree, is that God's Word, the written Word is living, it's active, Sharper, as the Hebrews writer said, than, two, than any two-edged sword. And if that word is living and active in our hearts, it will produce every single response that others claim must come from some so-called miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the sword of the Spirit, which I hold in my hand. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, produces peace. It produces unspeakable joy comfort beyond comprehension, hope and zeal and enthusiasm, and every other positive fruit that is desirable to the Christian and pleasing to Christ. And today in this lesson for a few moments, I'd like for us to go to the Old Testament prophet, the one who is often called, and rightfully so because he had so much to weep about, the weeping prophet, to prove that everything I have said to this point is completely accurate. The passage is Jeremiah 15, verse 16. And it provides an outline within itself for proving that the Word of God was not only the joy of Jeremiah, but that that same Word can become and will become the joy of every individual who will do with that Word what Jeremiah did. Listen to the passage. Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Your words were found, and I ate them, 
and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Reading from the New King James translation. First of all, notice what Jeremiah says. Incidentally, in a context where he is in great difficulty, where no one will listen to him, where he has been persecuted beyond description, and where at times, yes, he had become very despondent and very discouraged. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on. And he's crying out to God and reminding God, if you will, that as your prophet God, I found your words and I ate your words and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. But in making that appeal and issuing that statement, he provides for us a beautiful beautiful summary of the power and the all-sufficiency of the Word of God if it is properly applied to our lives. Notice, first of all, that it has to be found, discovered. It is tragic beyond description that most people living today and who have lived in the past and tragically who will live in the future will never truly discover the Word of God. Even though it is more available than any other writing one could possibly name. Available virtually everywhere. In language after language after language. Over 13 or 100 or so languages or dialects into which the word of God has been translated. And yet most people never discover it. They never truly discover its power. They never understand or appreciate its potential to bless their lives, to literally transform their lives. Remember Jesus said, few there would be who would find the way to heaven. And the only way to find that is through the word. That's the only way to find it. And yet most will never discover that way. The source of all knowledge, the source of all wisdom, the source of all instruction is in God, Proverbs 1 and verse 7. But the only way, the only way to get to God and to know that knowledge, to have that wisdom and to receive that instruction and thus to gain that understanding is through the written word. That's the only way despite the contentions to the contrary that it's a better felt than told experience and that the Holy Spirit is revealing this or that to this one and that one. No, the only way is through the Word. And yet many continue to look to too many other things. Or there are so many who allow other things to distract them from the study of the Word of God. Television, texting, you know, there was an ad just yesterday that Janice and I saw on TV. I think it was by the Dixie Paper Company. Kind of a public service ad by this Dixie Cup company. It's been around for a long time. You know what the public service announcement had to do with? It had to do with turning this off during dinner. It had to do with going dark during dinner. 
That's just what they wish you would do. If you just go dark in dinner, even though every other moment of the day, your head is in this. And young people have gotten to where they can do it in ways that just are absolutely astonishing to me. They don't even have to look at it to do it. They can put it in their pocket and do it. Well, what I'm saying is we need to be texting. This is the texting we need to be doing rather than so much of this. I have nothing against texting. But when texting takes the place of the text and becomes more important to us, or any other thing does, technology of any kind, distractions of any and every kind, then indeed we've lost sight of something that is vitally important in our lives. Christians need other Christians, but we must come to realize that much of our strength comes from the Word of God. The psalmist David expressed it, in Psalm 119, 28, my soul melts for heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. And we'll look at several other passages in that beautiful psalm. What about Psalm 119, 105? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And in fact, in that beautiful psalm, there are so many that point out, so many passages that point out the power of the Word of God, to direct our lives, to comfort our lives, to give meaning to our lives. And it hasn't been that long since we went through an expository series of lessons on Sunday night, went through this entire psalm where we had not covered it in previous lessons before. Passage after passage. How can a young man cleanse his way? The psalmist asked. In verse 9, by taking heed according to your word. Verse 10, with my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. How do you seek God with a whole heart? You seek God with a whole heart by seeking his commandments. Passage after passage after passage in that beautiful psalm. We'll get back to it again in a few moments. Yes, we need texting. But this is the most important texting. This is the kind of texting we really, really must make sure that we're doing plenty of. And if we are, that will lead to the second point in Jeremiah's outline that he's provided for us, if you will. Your words were found. I discovered them. But not just discovering their value and their power, but then doing something about that. What is it? Discover them and then what? Digest them. Digest them. Your words were found and I ate them. They, may, they must be digested. I'm all for daily Bible reading and I've mentioned that before. Nothing wrong with that. It's certainly commendable to read God's Word every day. But simply to be a reader of the Bible is not going to necessarily cause us to digest it to apply it as we should. We've got to realize that reading alone is not the blessing. Digesting the Word of God through diligent study will bless our lives. The Word of God has to become a vital part of our being. You know, along this, along this same figure, 
of eating the word. We have Ezekiel. You remember in chapter 3 of Ezekiel, verse 1 beginning, the prophet says, Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll. And go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that scroll. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate and it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. What a beautiful figurative description of the word of God and the power that it can wield in our lives and in the lives of others through us if we will truly digest it not just simply maintain a casual acquaintance with it. We think about Paul's inspired advice to the young preacher Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verses 14 through 16. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Then he says, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Digest the word. And I love, I love this text along these lines. Go with me to John chapter 6. And the encounter that Jesus had with certain ones who were seeking to follow him and desiring to be his disciples. And among these great I am's that Jesus uttered, including I am the living bread, the bread of life, back at verse 48, down in verse 53 in this same context, then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. Some think this text has something to do with the Lord's Supper. I think it has nothing to do with the Lord's Supper. Even though when we eat the bread and drink the fruit of the vine, we are eating and drinking that which represents the body and blood of the Lord. That's not what Jesus is talking about here, is he? What he's talking about here is completely imbibing my word, my teaching, digesting it if you will, making it such an integral part of your life that it flows from every pore, as it were, and that it emanates from you in such a way as that, so as to make you a reflector of the light of the world who has gone back to heaven but has left reflectors of himself through his disciples, those who truly are following his will and living it out in their lives. Dropping down to verse 63 of John 8, Jesus said this in the same context, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are 
life. Why would I conclude that I need some sort of direct operation of the Holy Spirit when the Lord himself who sent the Holy Spirit upon the apostles and others to guide them into all truth which I now hold in my hand tells me it is the word that gives life and not some continuing direct operation of the Spirit. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. But not to those, not to those who will not digest once discovered. They will not be that light. Go back again to Psalm 119 and see what the psalmist said in verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. All the day. Verse 98. You through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies for they are ever with me. And then verse 103. I have not departed from your judgments for you yourself have taught me. That's for 102 and then 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. There's that figure again of eating. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. How much honey are we digesting, spiritually speaking, in our lives? And so it has to be discovered, as Jeremiah reminds us, when he cries out to God, your words were found, discovered, and I ate them, I digested them, and finally... When that word is digested, truly digested, it becomes the delight, the delight of our heart. That's what the the prophet says, isn't it? Your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. That's what the word of God will do. That's what the all-powerful word of God will do. It will produce delight in those who discover it and truly digest it then delight follows naturally. You know, that's the principle we see by comparing Colossians 3, 16 with Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. When you look at Colossians 3, 16, let the word of Christ, remember? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You compare that then, as we have often done, to Ephesians 5, 18 through 20, and what is the admonition from the same inspired writer? And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit, let the Word of Christ dwell in you. They are equivalent expressions, simply expressed in different terms telling us very clearly from an inspired writer that if I want to be filled with the Spirit, I don't need to pray for some direct operation of the Holy Spirit. I need to be filled with the Word of God. And as I am filled with that, I will be filled with the Spirit. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Be filled with the Spirit. They are equivalent exhortations. And then he goes on in that Ephesian context. To say, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, indeed. When you compare Colossians 3.16 and Ephesians 5.18 through 20, you see that it is the word of Christ dwelling in us that allows indeed the Spirit 
to work through us through the word and in no other way because there is no other need for any other way and the spirit operated directly and miraculously only until such time as this was completed just as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 13. Now go back to Psalm 119 again. And in Psalm 119, look again at how many verses depict the joy, the delight of David. David's delight because of the word of God. Psalm 119, 111. Your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. Verse 127. Therefore, I love your commandments more than gold, yes, than fine gold. He goes on. Therefore, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right, I hate every false way. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The entrance of your words give light, gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. Listen to 131. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for your commandments. What an attitude. What an attitude we wish existed in everyone who claims to be a follower of God. Oh, what an attitude if it existed in every individual alive today, but obviously, as we said before, the vast majority have never reached the delight stage because they've never even begun the discovery process, let alone the digestion that Jeremiah alludes to here. Now, now go back to Jeremiah, the passage we're centering on. In Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, and see why the word See why the word is such a delight. Why it should be such a delight. Here's the expression. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. For I am called by your name. What a blessing to be called by the name of God. To be called by his authority into that relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit to be called to be Christians. And again, how do we expect that call to come? Well, many tragically expect it to come from, again, a direct operation of the Holy Spirit. And if they keep on expecting that, they'll be expecting and waiting tragically until they die or until the Lord comes again because that call will never come in that way. Because the call from God comes only through the gospel. And that's what Paul reminds us of in 2 Thessalonians 2.14 when he reminds those Thessalonian Christians of how they answered that call, listen to it, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are called by the gospel to the ultimate obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ if we live faithfully to that gospel all the days of our lives. Once we have responded to the gospel call, we are called by his name. What is that divinely given name? Christian. That is the divinely given name. And what great joy should be produced by the realization that we are Christians. 
that we are in Christ, that we're saved, that we're redeemed, that we're made whole by the blood of the Lamb. And what great joy is continually produced in our hearts as we continue to learn through this word of the great blessings that are ours as a result of being called by his name. And yet, the vast majority in the religious world tell us that it takes the word of God plus something else. That it takes this plus something else to make us happy, to really make us complete, to really allow us to know that we are saved. And that's something else. They mean some miraculous manifestation of the Holy Spirit. What we need is the sword of the Spirit, as we said at the outset, which is the Word of God, along with the realization of its power to produce joy, strength, comfort, peace, and the hope of heaven within our hearts. Notice again, your words were found, and I ate them, and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Was Jeremiah discouraged? Yes, as he cries for help here and remembers how the word of God had affected his life, he became discouraged. As we said, he was called the weeping prophet. And there were times when he wanted to quit. But the key is the digested word of God within his soul would not allow it. Thanks be to God he had digested that word, applied it to himself, and that would not allow him to give up. Listen to Jeremiah 20 and verse 9. On one occasion he tells us, Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. That's how discouraged he had become. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back. And I could not. I could not contain is the idea here. Because I had digested that word. That's what it will take for us to know the same strength that Jeremiah so desperately needed at times to remain faithful. That's what it will take for us to be able to get through some of the very trials and difficulties that many of you right out here this morning are facing. Difficulties with your own physical health and the health of family members. Trials and sorrows and difficulties. It'll take the word living within us to give us the strength to get through it. And that word will do it. If we'll truly discover, digest it, and delight in it, we'll avoid discouragement that will overcome us. Yes, we'll have challenges, and we do, and many of you do right now. But always remember, that if you're a Christian this morning, you are called by his name. And as you live for him, he through his word 
and through the encouragement of your brothers and sisters in Christ will help you to get through whatever trial you face, whatever difficulty and challenge you must endure. And to always, even in the midst of those challenges, have a joy, a joy that cannot be taken away because it's the joy that you have in Christ. Even though the external circumstances are not pleasant, that inner joy can never be taken away as we continue to feed upon the Word of God. If you don't have that blessing that I've just described, you don't have it because you're not a Christian. Because if you're a Christian truly following Christ, you have access to the very blessing that we have just described, that Jeremiah understood and appreciated, though he had his times of despondency and deep discouragement. But you can have that blessing, along with every other spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. But that's the key. The blessings are in Christ. And unless you have believed in Christ and acted upon that belief by repenting fully of your sins and confessing him sweetly, before men and being buried with him in baptism for the remission of those sins, you are not in Christ. But you can be. You can be this very hour if you respond to that invitation that comes not from me but from him. Believe that I am he or die in your sins, John eight twenty four. Repent or perish, Luke thirteen three. Confess me and I'll confess you before the Father, Matthew ten thirty two. And be baptized, for Jesus said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But the Lord also taught us to be faithful unto death. And if you've done those things we've just outlined, but you know this morning you need to come home. That you need to be as the prodigal who realized how far he had sunk into sin and how deeply ashamed he was because of that realization. But thanks be to God, he also had the realization his father was still where he had always been. And all he had to do was truly repent and come back. And his father would welcome him with open arms. And he did. And he will. The one represented by that father in the parable of the prodigal son is still where he's always been and will welcome you home as a wayward child if you'll simply come home in repentance. Confess publicly the sin that you've committed in that way and ask your brothers and sisters to pray with you and for you, and you'll bring joy not only to those family members and brothers and sisters in Christ who love you dearly and want you to come home so desperately, but you'll bring joy to the very angels in heaven and to the Godhead itself. Will you come? as we stand to sing.